I think that is a, uh, just a great way to start out this series this morning called Dating and Marriage. Thanks, Joe and Melanie, again for your prayers. Greatly appreciate it. You know, we can be lifting each other up daily in our marriages, in our families, our church. Um, we can be lifting each other a lot up uh, in prayer more and more. And so I think that was just a great example of how to pray and what to pray for each other. So this morning we're talking about marriage. And uh, I'm actually going to take us back to a scripture verse that is thousands of years old. Thousands of years old. And I want you to know from the very beginning, as, as I go into this sermon, my intention is not to condemn. My intention is not to, to discourage exactly the opposite. My intention, my goal is to speak hope into the relationships that are represented here in Grace Church to those that are watching on Facebook Live. My, my goal, my desire is to speak life and to speak encouragement, to speak hope, and so that you walk out of here, um, man, looking to Jesus Christ as your, as your deliverer, looking to Jesus Christ for the answers. And we are going to be challenged, though. There's going to be some things that, that you're going uh, to be sharpened. You're going to be uh, thinking about, man, there's some things that I need to adjust. There's some things that I need to do different in my relationship, in my own life personally. But my goal is to let the scriptures do uh, the sharpening, and hopefully I'm not in the way of that. I want God to speak to you, and I trust that he's going to. So this morning, we're talking about marriage, and thousands of years ago, a man named Moses gave us one of the best, most profound explanations of what a good, godly marriage should look like and how it's best going to work. We find it in his writings in the book of Genesis, specifically Genesis chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, feel free to turn there. We encourage people to bring their Bibles to church. If you don't have your Bible, we're going to have the verse up on the screen, and uh, so you can read along that way as well. But we're going to be in uh, Genesis chapter 2, and this is the account through Moses about the time that God created woman. And God had caused... Adam to go into a deep sleep, and the Lord took a rib from the side of Adam. And listen, this is such a beautiful picture. When God created woman, he took the rib from the side of Adam, and it was a picture that woman was not supposed to be behind man, like a slave or a servant, or you do what I tell you to do. She also wasn't supposed to be out front leading the way. She was supposed to be right at his side as a partner working together for the good of their family, their world, and the kingdom of God. And so God took a rib from the side of Adam, and he created woman. And woman is created, and and in verse 24, Moses says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. I mean, this is the most profound statement ever said about marriage. And let me just remind you, this statement that we just read is thousands of years old. This is such an old document that we're looking at. This is such an old verse that we're looking at, and yet it still applies to us in our day and age. For the remainder of our time together, I want to break down this one simple verse for us this morning. And I want us to to really understand what Moses was communicating to us by this simple verse when he said, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. He starts out by saying 
That is why a man, that is why a man, and this, this word, this, this simple uh, two words, a man, it signifies, it's a picture of maturity. It's, it's a process of becoming mature. This isn't a child who is leaving his mom and dad to go marry off and, and, and find true love. This is a man. He has matured both spiritually and physically. He's, he's learned some responsibility. He's learned how to work and how to provide. He's learned how to lead himself. Sometimes the most difficult person you're ever going to lead is the one that you look at in the mirror every morning. It's going to be you. But this man has grown up. He's learning how to lead himself and how to invest in his wife spiritually. He's rooted. He's grounded in the word of God. His feet are firmly planted on truth. He's he's confident. Catch this now. He's confident in what he believes, why he believes it, and most importantly, why it matters. Like what you believe, it matters, church. It matters a whole lot. It's, it's super critical to know what you believe and why you believe it. And then you need to know why it matters. But he's also willing to learn. He knows that he hasn't arrived yet. He's, he's willing to learn and to grow because he knows that God is not finished with him yet. He's in this process of learning. So when Moses says a man, he's speaking of someone who is mature, someone who is grounded, someone who has learned some responsibility. Moses goes on to say, that is why a man leaves his father and mother. Let's just focus in on that word leaves. And this is a picture of transition. Something has changed. Okay, when a man leaves his father and mother and becomes united to his wife, things are different. You're in a new ball game. You're not single anymore. Okay, it's different. This is a picture of transition And this may come as a huge shock to some of you, okay? I mean, like, maybe you need to hold on to your seat because this is going to shock some of you. But being married is not the same as being single. Can I get a witness? Can I get an amen? Okay? In marriage, there are new levels of responsibility. When you're married, you, you can't just come and go as you please like you did when you were single. There, there's a, it's a new ballgame. There's, there's a new level of responsibility. There will be new expectations. A transition in your life has just taken place. And just wait until you have children. <laughs> Woo! Just wait. Those of you that already have children, you're like, I already know. <laughs> I didn't even laugh at that statement, Justin, because I already know what you're talking about. All right? We love our children. I love you guys. Just so you know, it's clear, right? <laughs> so part of the maturing process, part of the, the leaving process, you could say, is becoming responsible. So let me share just a couple thoughts about responsibility this morning. Let me share just a couple thoughts about this process of leaving your mother and father. So being responsible means you are no longer dependent upon your parents to feed you and to clothe you. They're no longer there to remind you to brush your teeth and to make your bed. Like you are a man now. You you are responsible. You are leaving your your father and your mother and and you are a man. 
taking responsibility is addressing the problems in your own life that need to be solved. You know, I think we live in a culture today where it is so easy, especially via social media and the technology world that we live in, it's so easy to point the finger of blame at everyone and everyone else and everything else instead of taking responsibility, taking ownership for what's going on in your own life. Taking responsibility is addressing the problems in your own life that need to be solved. And instead of pointing the finger at everything else, everyone else, you need to deal with you. You you need to focus in on what, what what is God showing me? What is he teaching me? What are the areas that I need to work on? What do... What is the man or the woman that I need to become? Quit blaming. Quit blaming and take ownership. Take responsibility of the things that you can do. And you might be like, well, what, what can I do? I feel like I'm doing everything that I can do. Let me just give you a couple examples. Sometimes it starts really small with responsibility. Really small. Sometimes it starts with making your bed. Like just doing the little things that you can do. Getting up on time for work. Making your bed. Spending time in prayer and reading God's word. Like is it a daily routine? Is it, is it a daily habit? You're just doing the little things to grow. To take responsibility as a, as a righteous man or a woman of God. It's eating the right kind of foods. It's exercising. It's taking care of the temple of God. It's... Uh, excelling in your studies. It's showing up to class if you've committed to show up to class. It's doing the little things right. And you do it consistently. You do it day in and day out. And you know what happens is those little things compound. And they become big things. When you do little things right, it compounds and you will begin to see transformation in your life. You will begin to see change in your life and you will begin to see your realm of influence expand and grow. You see these little things may not seem significant, but if they are done right and they're done on a daily basis, it can change your life. Just doing the little things. Doing the little things right and especially those of us that are married, it's doing the little things. It's the little notes to your spouse in the morning when you make her coffee. It's the little encouragements or texts that you send to your husband while he's at work and just says, I'm thinking about you, I'm praying for you. It's it's the little things. The little things absolutely matter in life. It's called taking responsibility, your actions. And listen, when you make the decision to get married, and when you choose to get married, You will have to grow in this area of responsibility if you hope to experience a successful marriage. You have to grow in this area of being responsible in the little things. The Apostle Paul, who was known for being a very blunt, kind of straightforward individual, he put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. He said, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man... I put the ways of childhood behind me. You know, the reality is, I think in far too many marriages and far too many relationships and in our world today, we have too many boys running around who can shave. Like that's seriously what, we have too many boys who have not matured into the process of becoming a man and taking responsibility for their stuff. It's the little things. 
starts with the little things. Back in Genesis, Moses says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother. We've talked about the process of maturity. We've talked about this process of leaving. But I believe what Moses is communicating to us here is he says, this man, he left his father and mother. He left a family unit that was functioning the way it was supposed to function. It's a picture or a model of a complete family. So Moses instructs him to leave his father and mother. And so the idea here is he had a father and a mother. He had an example that he could look to. And I I can't help church but communicate this this morning, but man, as, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, man, what you are doing in working hard to take responsibility, to have a healthy marriage, what you're doing in raising up your kids to to love Jesus and to love people, it has a ripple effect. It has a ripple effect. Your children, whether you like this or not, whether you know this or not, your children are going to look at your example, at your model. It's the way it works. It's what Paul or uh, Moses rather is communicating here. He says this picture of a father and a mother, this is the way God intends it to be. This is the picture of a complete family. And listen, research has proven that children do better academically and emotionally when they are raised by both a man and a woman, a father and a mother, because of the differences that they bring to a family. They can speak into that child's life from different perspectives. And like we heard Joe pray this morning, men and women were created different. There's differences. And when we speak from those different perspectives, it brings incredible benefit to a family. Research has also shown that mothers and fathers, by nature of their genders, make unique, important contributions to the development of their children. So the picture of a family that God intends is a father and a mother. Now, now listen, you and I, we, we all know that there are many many families in our own communities that don't look like this. There are many, many families that are broken and, man, they're single-parent families and there's, there's just families that don't look like this and I just have to stop for a minute and I want to say, thank God for His mercy and His grace. You may say, man, I, I'm in a broken relationship right now. I'm coming out of a divorce. I'm, we're looking at divorce. I mean, my, my family seems to be a wreck. This is just... I don't feel like you're speaking much hope into my life, Justin. Man, this sounds really discouraging. I just want you to know that God takes brokenness and he does incredible things with it. But just because there's brokenness all around us doesn't mean that we lower the ideal or we lower the standard. What I'm trying to communicate to you is what God's ideal is, what what he wants it to look like. And I know that many families don't look like that. But man, this is what God intends God's plan is for a godly man to marry a godly woman and for them to raise a godly family. And there isn't a better model than that. And that is the picture. That is what God intends. Moses goes on to say, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. Now this is a a beautiful picture of the origins of a new family. This is the beginning of, of a new family. 
This is a man who has made the commitment, he's made the vow to take responsibility for his new family. And this takes us back to the topic of responsibility. Listen, I cannot overemphasize this enough. In my own life, and in my boy's life, and in the church that I pastor, man, I want us to not be afraid of responsibility. The man is united to his wife. They're both committing to take responsibility for the small details of their lives. But here's what they're committing to do. They're committing to pay attention as to what's going on on the inside of them. Now, if we came into relationships with no brokenness, like if a man married a woman and, man, they had no brokenness, that would be easy. But in every relationship, a man comes into the relationship, a woman comes into the relationship with brokenness. And sometimes we we come with carry-ons, right? Some of us have extra baggage that we're bringing into relationships. <laughs> Listen, many of us, we have this deep longing within us. We desire that one special someone. And our golfing buddies, I mean, it just doesn't cut it, you know? Our play date girlfriends, our... Our, our friends that we go to the lake with, it's just not enough. We want real connection. We want that real feeling or emotion. Oftentimes we depend upon our spouse to, to bring those feelings or to make those feelings within us. And, and then it doesn't work out because we came into the relationship with brokenness. Let me, I want, I want us to really catch this and let me illustrate this this morning for us, Okay. I want you to meet Mr. and Mrs. Glass, okay? All right. I've actually uh, used this illustration before, and I just, and I think it illustrates exactly what I'm trying to communicate. But this is Mr. Glass. Hello. All right. Hello, Miss. This is Mrs. Glass. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Now, here's the truth. <clears throat> Mr. and Mrs. Glass, they, like most people, they actually met in college. They fell madly in love with one another. And uh, they fell in love at first sight. Mr. Glass, he was confident and strong. And Mrs. Glass, she was smart. And she, she was just a knockout. I mean, look at her. I mean, she was just amazing. Amazing. And they started dating, and they were so careful. They were trying to do everything right in their relationship. They were trying to win each other's hearts. And they were so careful, once again, just trying to do everything right. And they had a, they had a couple problems, like in their dating relationship when they were engaged, but nothing really major, and they ended up getting married. And a couple months into their marriage, they faced some major problems. This, this process of becoming you know, united to your spouse, uh, it came with some problems. And so they were in this marriage relationship and they entered the marriage and a couple months in they had some major problems and they, they, they clashed. They bumped into each other. And stuff came out. And he looked at her and he said, whoa, like where did all that stuff come from? Like I, I never saw that stuff when we were dating. And she was like, whoa, I didn't know that you had anger issues. Like where did that stuff come from? And 
And then Mrs. Glass, she went to her mom and spent some time at her mom's house. And she said, I didn't know that he had all of that stuff in him. And I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. I, don't, I didn't know he had those issues that are coming out. And Mr. Glass, Mr. Glass, he went to, I don't know where guys go. <laughs> he, he went to the mountains. Okay? He went fishing. He sat there and he pondered. And he thought about it and he said, wow, I didn't know she had all of that in her. Mr. and Mrs. Glass, they both think that the stuff coming out of them is caused by the other person. And here's the truth. The reason that the beads are coming out of them is because that's what's in them. Like, are you writing this down, you guys? Okay, this is important stuff, all right? The reason the beads are coming out of Mrs. Glass is because that's what's in there. You see, we we all have stuff inside of us. We all have brokenness inside, inside of us. We all have stuff that we're bringing into a relationship. And most people don't experience these type of bumps. You know, they don't experience these clashes until they're in a romantic relationship, until they're in a relationship that is super intimate. There's something about a romantic relationship. Maybe it's the level of commitment. It's the intimacy. Whatever it is, it brings out the best in us, and sometimes it brings out the worst in us. And I've met so many husbands who were absolutely positively convinced that the stuff coming out of them was caused by her. It's because of what she says. She gets on my nerves. She's always kind of just picking at me and wanting me to to do better at this and to do that. But the truth is, the beads that are coming out of you are coming out because that's what's in you. And she's absolutely sure that if he would stop, if he would start, if he would quit, if he would be more careful, if he would be more of this and less of that, the beads wouldn't come out of her. But the truth is, what's coming out of her is coming out because that's what's in her. So so what do we do with that? The question is, is what do we do with that? We have to pay attention to what's going on inside of us. And I go back to the word responsibility. And I am, I am trying to, to shepherd this congregation of people, this church that I pastor, to take responsibility for what's going on inside of you. Stop pointing the finger of blame and start taking care of what's going on inside of you. Take responsibility. Quit blaming, quit dodging, quit procrastinating, and take responsibility. Like, put the ways of childhood behind you and begin to mature, begin to grow up in your faith, begin to become the man and the woman that God intended you to be. Back in Genesis, see you later, Mr. and Mrs. Glass. Back in Genesis, Moses says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become. They become. These two words are such a powerful declaration. They are telling us that there is a process of learning. There is a process of friendship. 
There is a process of trust. You're going to be in this marriage relationship and there's going to be bumps. There's going to be beads that come out. There's going to be stuff you have to deal with. But there's a process of becoming. You're going to have to become the man. You're going to have to become the woman that God wants you to be. And when Moses says they became, or or they become rather, he's making it clear that it's going to take time. And so I want to encourage you this morning, like give yourself some grace. Like be easy on yourself. Be easy on your spouse. Like, man, it's going to take some time for you to learn how each other works and what your likes are and your dislikes and and how to communicate to one another. It's going to take time. So show some grace to each other. You're not going to do everything right. You're not going to make every right decision. And so I want to encourage you to make the choice to love him or her, even though they may not deserve it. I learned learned this from my dad growing up. Whenever he would uh, speak at a wedding ceremony, you know, he would sit down with the the couple that are wanting to be married, and he would always say, the only way I'll do this marriage is if you allow me to put in this word in the vows. And the word is forgiveness. And I actually clung on to that. And so now when I marry people, I have followed that same model. And I say, listen, I'm not going to marry you unless we can have this word in your vows. And that is the word forgiveness. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to say the wrong things. You're going to, hopefully it's not intentionally, but even unintentionally, you're going to hurt each other sometimes. Emotionally. Or you're not going to just do everything right. And in order for a marriage relationship to succeed, there has to be forgiveness. There has to be. Lastly, Moses says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife And they become one flesh. And I think here Moses is painting the beautiful picture of deep intimacy between two people. They become one flesh. And now I've heard some really bad teaching on this. I have to be honest with you. I've heard some people say that uh, one flesh means that you have to think exactly the same. You have to like everything the same. I mean, you're becoming one. So what that meant was, wife, you do everything that I want to do. And what I've seen is that that kind of teaching led to very emotionally abusive relationships, very controlling, manipulative relationships. And I don't believe at all that's what Moses is trying to communicate. See, what happens is is you are two individuals that are becoming one, but you're still two individuals. You have different minds. You have different thoughts. You have different likes. The things that... Trisha wants to do sometimes is not necessarily what I want to do. And that's okay. She is an individual. I am an individual. But we are, by God's grace, experiencing this deep level of intimacy, this becoming one. And it's, this word one is actually used again in a different area of the scripture. It's, it's used in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. And it's the Hebrew word ekad, which means <clears throat> one or oneness. In, in Deuteronomy 6.4, the, the Jews call it the Shema. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, He is one. 
He is Ekod. And so in the same way that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, the Trinity, so the husband and wife are one. And the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5 that this is a mystery. A husband and wife are one, just like the Trinity, that the Godhead is one. And it's a mystery. Or another way you could say it, it's a treasure hunt. Okay, it's a mystery. It's, it's a journey of learning each other and growing in this deep level of intimacy. And I, once again, by God's grace, I can say, Trisha and I are going to uh, celebrate our 20th anniversary this year. And I, I'm happy to say that I am more in love with her today than I was on our wedding day. We're experiencing this deep level of intimacy And I believe, because I've seen it modeled, I've seen uh, marriages in our church who have been married for 30, 40, 50 years, where they say, it just gets better. It just gets better. Like a good, aged wine. Did I just say that in church? Amen. These are some incredible words from Moses thousands of years ago. But I want you to notice as we come to the end of of this message this morning, I want you to notice someone else who said these exact same words. Look at Mark chapter 10, verses 6 through 8. And Jesus said, you might be here like, oh man, this is Old Testament stuff, you know? All right, let's go to the New Testament and let's look at the red letters Look at the words of Jesus. He said, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And so they are no longer two, but one flesh. And this is such a beautiful picture of what Jesus intends our marriages to be. A picture of maturity this transitioning into a new family, committing to this process of learning and friendship and trust and growing into this incredible place of deep intimacy, this togetherness, this closeness, this friendship between two people. That, my friends, is what Jesus intends for our marriage. That's what he intends for your marriage. That, is a God-honoring marriage. And it's such a beautiful picture. Throughout the the remainder of this series, next week, Pastor Keith is actually going to be bringing the message, and he's going to be, man, just sharing with us about relationships and and how relationships are supposed to work in a marriage and even in just friendships. He's going to be talking about dating, and then the Sunday after that, I'm going to be speaking again about uh, what, what, what is an engagement, like the process of, you know, that time, that season before you get married. Like, where did that originate? Where did it begin with? Does it have any biblical roots? And then we're going to finish up this series again, talking about marriage so that we don't lose sight of that beautiful picture that God intends for our marriages to be. I want to thank Joe and Melanie again for praying over our marriages. And I I feel like that's a good way to bookend this message this morning is I'm going to pray for your marriages again. I'm going to pray for your relationships, your friendships. Those of you that are dating, I'm going to just, man, ask God to bless the relationships that are represented here this morning. If you would join me in prayer. Father, thank you for this message. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. I mean, these words that Moses spoke, thousands of years old, 
the words that Jesus spoke. God, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray protection over the marriages represented in Grace Church. I pray for protection over the friendships represented. Lord, you created us for community. You created us to be in relationship with one another. And Lord, we know that this world, we have an enemy. It just seems like everything fights against community. Everything fights against relationships. Everything fights against marriages. And God, I pray for protection over the marriages. And I pray that we would, all those of us that are married, those of us that are dating, soon to be married, Lord, I pray that we would all experience this oneness that you talk about. Lord, just like the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you are one, yet you're distinct. Lord, we as husband and wife, we can be one, but yet we're still individuals. Lord, help us to experience this intimacy, this togetherness, this closeness, this friendship. And Lord, I pray that the world would be able to look and say, man, that's how a church, that's how a marriage, that's, that's how families should work. I mean, they're not perfect. They've, they've experienced brokenness, but boy, man, God is doing something there. God is doing something in that marriage. God is doing something in that family. We love you. I pray for protection over our marriages. In Jesus' name, amen.